listening to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast with Aaron Hale and Mike Ferrier as your hosts. Subscribe to the podcast at CanadianStreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria. Well, welcome back to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast. And this is Aaron Hale along with uh, my partner in crime, Mike Ferrier. <laughs> How's it going? So we're just, uh, we were brainstorming this past week and, and we were thinking, what if we just talked about some of the most common responses we get from people in seeking to witness to them or share the gospel with them? So that's kind of what we were going to do today, look at a few res- common responses and try to understand those in light of scripture and, and God's words. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think some of the most common, some of the most common answers we get from people when we, when we witness to them are, uh, I'm good. Yeah. I I don't need any help. You know, I think God likes me just the way I am or, or no, I'm, I'm really a good person. You know, I'm not going to go to hell or, um, I'm spiritual is another one. You know, I have my own beliefs, you know, um, and, Another one that we encounter is uh, I'm religious and I go to church, so I'm good. Yeah. You know, basically all those three, all kind of individual at times too, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I uh, going out and evangelizing, I think everyone seems to have their own idea about what spirituality is. Mm -hmm. It's always shocking to the the variety of responses you can get in in an outing. You know, we go out for even half an hour, an hour, and it's all over the map from the Buddhist to the New Age <clears throat> to the person caught up in in religious activity, thinking that that they're saved. And it's it's a challenge. I, I know often I struggle to think of a good biblical response on the spot because you sometimes it's so shocking. It's like, how do I even respond to that? It's yeah. so out there. Uh, the karma wheel or, you know, whatever, all these weird things. And so uh, hopefully we can just uh, sharpen ourselves and also encourage any of you out there. Or maybe you're one who has, this would be your response. And so we give you some thoughts to consider uh, from the word of God as to what truth is. So the first one, I'm good, I think very common. And oftentimes it's People politely saying, uh, get lost, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, you try to hand them a track and like, oh, no, I'm good. And yeah, then they, exactly. basically they're just saying get lost. But they still use that phrase. And so it, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. I uh, don't mean to interrupt you there. I was going to, you know, a lot of times people will just kind of say that in passing. Like, yeah. <laughs> they won't even stop. It's like, right. you know, excuse me, sir. Uh, can we talk to you for a minute? No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then they just keep going, you know, it's just uh, not even thinking about what they're saying. I'm going to say just I'm good. It's, I guess, kind of how are you doing today? Oh, good or fine. And we don't really think about what that even means. But the scriptures are very clear on this issue, and it's important for us to understand. Again, we talked about last time, lost man's condition. But are we good? Is that an accurate statement? According to the scriptures, clearly mankind apart from Christ is not good. Yeah. And then, in fact, we're actually in a state of rebellion and sin against God and condemnation uh, and judgment is is imminent. It's, it's, it's coming. It's just a matter of of time really yeah so yeah do you have some some scriptures that that came to mind for you that you would maybe turn to to 
understand what we what our state really is as as humanity. If we're not good, then how does the scriptures um, speak of us? Or? Well, the scriptures say a lot. Um, I mean, Romans mm-hmm. clearly the first uh, first chapter of Romans yeah. really encapsulates the deplorable condition yeah. really of all mankind. I don't have it in front of me. I probably should. It would have been a good one to have. <laughs> Romans but, 1. Is- yeah, Romans 1 is uh, really good. Um, but I think it's it's interesting, too. Even Proverbs uh, 20, verse 6, says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, mm-hmm. um, but a faithful man who can find. And uh, Proverbs 30, verse 12, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet not washed from their filthiness. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, they say, I'm good. You know, it's, 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 you know, I'm good and I'm fine, but it's also, no, no, I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. a good person. Mm-hmm. When it's really, it's their own standard of good yeah. that they're, that they're using. They're not using what God's standard right. is. And I mean, God's standard is really, I mean, his son. Um, but I mean, God gave us the law for yeah. us to see what his standards are. And I mean, if you look through um, each of the commandments, um, if you're, if you're painfully honest, you know, you'll, you'll see that you, you have lied or stolen Mm -hmm. and it's part of, it's just part of our sinful condition to do these things and to almost love it at times, you know? So using the law I mean, the law, the law is there to, to show us. It's a reflection, right? Uh, a reflection of the law of God in our own hearts. And I mean, the law is the standard of God. It's his, it's his perfect moral law. And if we're honest, you know, we can't help but admit that we are lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, too, that you have the law, and then when Jesus comes, he doesn't seek to condone what the men of that day, the, the Pharisees in particular, um, he doesn't condone what they thought was law keeping, but he actually reimages the law in a way that is even more clear and more exposing of the human heart. And, right. and we see it's not simply staying out of bed with another man's wife, but Jesus takes it to the level in, in Matthew Five and six, the Sermon on the Mount, to the issue of even lust within the heart. Even looking upon a woman to lust. Yeah, and so there we see we are so obviously exposed. <laughs> it's a higher law within the law, really. really yeah, he, to the heart of the, the law of God. Absolutely. And hatred, Jesus says, is essentially the roots of murder. And so someone might think, oh, yeah, do not murder. Well, I've never killed anyone, so I guess I'm fine on that one. But yeah. Jesus says, no, actually, if you have hatred in your heart, you are a murderer and it, it exposes us. That's right. All. <laughs> it's, like, it's like killing someone to hate them and yeah. you're murdering them in your own heart. And uh, yeah. that's uh, a scary, a scary thing, because I know that I've hated people. Mm-hmm. That's right. You no, know, yeah. I know. I know I've lusted. Yeah, and um, that's enough to if we break the law on one point, uh, James says that we've. Uh, basically transgressed the whole law, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, basically, if we break the law in one point, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing, Yeah, really. So basically you're saying 
that were not good. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's, oh, man. That is, that is the essence of what, what I'm trying to say here is, yeah, we are not good. Yeah. I mean, it's good means to be morally perfect. Right. Right. God is good. Yeah. Absolutely. Only Jesus said there are none good except God alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, God is morally perfect. And, and Christ, you know, of course, was the one who came and fulfilled the law for us because we are incapable yeah. of doing it because we're we're broken sinful creatures by nature mm-hmm. we love sin by nature that's our condition absolutely that's, yeah. and that's how the bible reveals it and uh, i thought of um you mentioned romans one which absolutely paints a clear picture of of lost humanity uh, romans three as well paul reminds us he quotes from psalm uh, 14 and 53 but in romans 3 tells us none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they've become worthless no one does good not even one and so so the the like you said earlier what people are doing when they say i'm good mm-hmm. they are redefining the term good on their own terms they're certainly not using the standard of God and his law and as he's revealed good. So we basically just redefine terms so we can convince ourselves that we're good. But when we confront the holiness of God, we quickly realize we fall very short. Absolutely. And so, so that was a, uh, that was a few um, thoughts. Obviously we we're not going to exhaust that. I love that that, response. yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I love the, I'm spiritual. Oh yes, you, 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 you will meet like you said earlier. Uh, everything from New Age to Buddhists to you know a- anything in between, and and you're going to hear things that people make up yeah. as their own beliefs, original uh, heresy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, really, that's idolatry. Yeah, you know, at the heart of all that, because it's not number one. It's you're not worshiping the true God. You're worshiping your own belief right. or your own system of thought or, or whatever. But, um, that's a very popular one is, well, I'm spiritual. Uh, you guys are religious, you know? Yeah. It's almost a hard one I find to even respond to because it, it's so, I guess, experientially based. And, and in my flesh, it's like, oh, well, I guess that's a good thing. You know, we, we almost want to condone that because we know that the spiritual, there is a spiritual reality to life that most of humanity is probably in denial about. So when you meet someone who's at least aware of a spiritual dimension, it's like you want to almost praise them. But then you realize quickly, well, if they are not for Christ, the only other, only other alternative is that they are actually still under the dominion and reign of Satan, of the enemy, and so, uh, you know that that it, I find it it's almost one that I'm kind of a bit at a loss sometimes, and yet I think the scriptures do give us some guidance and uh, how to respond to such people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be uh, all of a sudden you hear someone. Someone says, "Well, I'm spiritual," and you think, "All right, I'm going to be able to relate to this person." Yeah. On some on some level and you know as soon as you bring up the name of jesus or a bible uh you know bible uh, passages you know they just kind of go well that's just from a book right yeah right and um i mean 
Hebrews, Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active, mm -hmm. sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit and bone and marrow. I mean, it's living and active. I mean, it's not, it's not just a book like, you know, uh, the, like the Quran. Yeah. The Quran is a book. It's yeah. a man-made book written by one man. Yeah. Um, ours is 66 books comprised of 40 authors and it reinforces itself and written over a period of 3,500 years or so. Yeah. It's incredible. I and mean, it all is consistent with themes and there's no contradictions. You have the fulfillments of the, Old Testament prophecies in the New Testament is beautiful how God has orchestrated the writing of his canon. And like you say, it is a living book. It is as we come to the word of God uh, that the spirit of God illuminates our minds, uh, makes us wise unto salvation. So, yeah, I think that's a good point in that spiritual apart from the word of God is still pagan. It's yeah. still uh, anti-Christ because it is his word. That well, is able to make us wise into salvation. So. Absolutely, and I mean um, the, the the words in this and the scriptures that you should follow should be living. And I mean, ours come from the one who is known as the living God, the God of yeah. the living. But but yeah, getting back to the you know I'm spiritual, but I have my own beliefs. It's really just idolatry. Mm -hmm. It's it's not wanting to. Uh, accept the word of God, and it's it's really just sort of a, a license to believe whatever you want. Right, that's it. Yeah, you want to be spiritually autonomous or you know, under no authority. Is kind of be <laughs> you know. I, I think you I think you nailed it uh, right on the head of the nail. There, it's it's about authority, and we as fallen creatures despise authority. Yeah, we don't want anybody telling us what to do. And it's really a form of spiritual pride. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's, so you've got pride and idolatry that you're dealing with there in, in a lot of that I'm spiritual argument. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem, the scripture says that we're dead. We're spiritually dead right, right. because of our sin. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could elaborate a little bit more about what it means to be spiritually dead and spiritually alive. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I can articulate it that well. I can, I can give it a shot. Um, I think, you know, we've seen the, the deadness of humanity and we don't want to, we don't want to always emphasize our depravity, but it is important if we understand, if we want to understand what the new birth looks like. So yeah, we just read Romans three, the all have sinned, We've all gone our own way. No one seeks God. So spiritually, we are blind and we are in darkness. I don't know if we talked about it last time. I think we did a bit about how when Nicodemus came uh, to Christ and he asked, how, how must I, what must yeah. I do to enter in the kingdom of God or see the kingdom of God in John 3? And Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus' response, he's like, well, how do I enter back, you know, into my mother's womb? And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's spiritual. It's and so that's the key, and it comes through the gospel. Uh, Paul tells us that uh, it is the gospel 
even in, in his foolishness, even that is able to make us wise into salvation and is the power of God unto salvation. So as we are presented the gospel of Jesus Christ in light of the fall of man throughout, you know, the book of Genesis, um, God is pleased to use that message to create new life within us, take out that heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh, and we become a new creature in Christ, as Paul says in Romans 6. So it really is a, a rebirthing. It is a, a, a new nature that God breathes to life within us by his spirit through the gospel. And then we are sustained by the gospel, the, the good news of Christ and, and uh, redemptive history is also our sustenance as a new creature. I was going to say, I love what you just said there, because that points to a lot of people would say that, you know, we're just religious people who follow a book. But the truth is, is that our book is supernatural, was supernaturally written and preserved. Mm -hmm. But the new birth is also a supernatural event that happens in the heart of a person. And... You, you you said earlier, you know, we're, we're we're spiritually dead. We're dead in our trespasses. Uh, Colossians two thirteen says, "When you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together mm-hmm. with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, at the point of forgiveness, at the point of calling upon the name of Christ for salvation, there. If it's genuine, there's a work of re- of regeneration in the heart where essentially God has taken your, the heart of stone, the dead heart within you, and placed his spirit inside of you, um, causing you to be born again, giving you a new nature, actually bringing you to life for the first time. That's right. Spiritually alive for the first time. Spiritually so, alive yeah. for the first time. Definitely. And that is, uh, and that's why we have the scriptures so that, See, we can't even understand the scriptures apart from the new birth because it's the Holy Spirit within you that actually illuminates the truth to you about what the scripture says. And that's why we are always going back to the word. What does the word say? The word says this. The word is our standard. It was written for us to follow. Mm -hmm. And it is essentially our food. We're like newborn babies supposed to long for uh, the, the word as our food mm-hmm. and our sustenance. And that's why the word of God is our ultimate authority, because it was it was written by God for us to follow. But you can't, unless you're born again, you cannot understand the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be spiritually alive in order to interpret the scriptures properly and also to do what the scriptures say as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spirit of God empowers you and illuminates your mind to the truth. And um, so, I mean, there's my there's part of my rebuttal to you know, well, you guys are just religious and you follow some book. Yeah. Well, no, actually, we're we believe in the supernatural in the way of God bringing us back to life from the dead mm-hmm. and becoming soup like spiritually alive. Mm-hmm. And we follow a book also that is spiritually alive. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's Christianity is not some dry, you know, just yeah. ritualistic yeah. religion. It is, it's a way of life and it leads to eternal life. Yeah. I think, you know, for myself growing up in a Christian home, uh, 
there is a danger, even though you one would profess Christ, to to fail to understand what you just talked about, the spiritual awakening of God. And you, you start to think, even as a kid, you know, I remember thinking like, you know, I guess Christianity is just about, you know, going to church on Sunday and and uh, doing good to others and tithing. And, and we have this to-do list, which is essentially dead religion, right? If that's all yeah. it is, it must flow out of that new life that, that you described, which is makes all the difference in the world, right? It, it, it's the really difference between the pharisaical system and the church of Jesus Christ. And, and I was thinking too, in regards to spiritual, um, because I think you nailed it in that true spirituality must be defined by the word in submission to the word. Mm -hmm. And according to this new life that only Christ can give. And in, in Ephesians two, Paul said that you, uh, Ephesians two, one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so there's almost a sense in which the unbeliever is spiritual, but it's the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. And so it's the spirit of of the devil, ultimately, of antichrist, spiritual. So... It's like, okay, yeah, you're spiritual, but you're not spiritual unto life. You're actually being spiritual unto death mm, and right. and and how to expose that and say, mm. okay, yeah, you're spiritual, but there's no life. There's there's no liberty in it because it, if it is not of Christ, yeah. it is of the enemy. And right. Paul would go on to describe the condition of the lost man there in Ephesians 2. But then in verse 4, he says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so that is really the only source of true spiritual life, uh, freedom, because any other form of spirituality is bondage, is death. And it may even, you know, you may get some good feelings from, yeah. you know, contorting your body into the shape of a butterfly and humming for an hour or something, you know, but it's not ultimately under life. So, so, I mean, if you do yoga, then, you know, I guess there's possibly a way to do it as exercise. I don't know, but I mean, I'm just saying people who think, oh, I'm doing these spiritual things. It feels good. I feel at, at peace with my inner self. You may for a season, but the reality is in time, it will be death. It will be destruction and condemnation uh, for anyone who is outside of Christ. So, yeah, hopefully that doesn't confuse the matter more well, than help. You know what? Jesus said to uh, in Luke 9, verse 60, but he said to them, allow the dead to bury their own dead. Hmm. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Interesting that. I mean, dead people can't bury dead people. Right. I mean, he's saying, you know, let the spiritually dead bury their own, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I mean, and that's just one little excerpt from Luke. Um, but there's tons of references to yeah. being spiritually dead in the New Testament. Yeah. There's even in the Old as well. I mean... Um, yeah, Ezekiel's Ezekiel. vision. Yeah. Ezekiel. Yeah, absolutely. The vision of the valley of um, bones. 
let's move on. Okay, yeah. These are massive topics that you could write. I'm sure there's been tons of books written about them. And we're just scratching the surface of things. So um, I'm sure we'll revisit these things over time. They continually come up in in other topics as well. And, And then the... I'm religious and I go to church. Right. One. Ah, you know what? I'll never forget this guy. I was, um, I was evan- doing some evangelism in downtown Brantford, and I was at the bus depot. Right. And this guy gets off the bus, and and I just said, uh, uh, "Hey, can I tell you about? Uh, can I tell you about Jesus?" And he he looked at me and he said, um, "He yeah." He said, "I believe in God. I go to church. I'm good." Like he almost covered all three. Oh of yeah, here. and and, and so. you, you would think. I mean, if you really are a believer, you're not going to run away from a believer who approaches you on the street. You're going to be sort of magnetized. Yeah, you're the fellowship say, and uh, there's yeah. just an instant fellowship with other believers. So yeah. right away when he said that, you know, just kind of like I'm good. I'm spiritual. I go to church. Leave me alone. Yeah, get lost. It's like, wow, what fruit of the spirit is that? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, rotten. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was just like, oh man, I felt I felt so bad for this guy. He was he looked like he was going <clears throat> crazy with anxiety. He was like mm. scratching his head, looking around, walking up and down. Didn't know where he was going, and you know that kind of broke my heart because it was like. This guy thinks he can see, but he's spiritually blind and he's spiritually dead, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll never forget that guy, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it is a sad, one of the saddest states when somebody who's almost in a, you know, they're aware that there's a God, they're aware of their sinfulness before him, but then they've been sold the bill of goods that tells them you have to earn your way to him. You have to do enough good things. Uh, essentially, you have to atone for your sin by your works. And it is such a, a terrible condition because we we can't do that. Uh, and so it's a state of frustration, of, uh, like you said, anxiety, and, and that's all it's going to produce. And then ultimately, condemnation and judgment because only Christ can atone for sin. Our works will never do it. So, Absolutely. And and the thing is too is we we run into that a lot. People yeah. seem to just go to church and they think, well, I go to church on Sunday, yeah. right? Or or you know, or I read my Bible once in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, church is good. Reading the Bible is certainly good. Yeah. But or they I mean, were baptized as a infant or something, and and count that as this kind of. The, like the right access into the yeah. kingdom of God. Well, I got dunked when I was a baby, so therefore I am going. <laughs> I am on my way to the highway of heaven. <laughs> glory, glory. You know, and it's just like <clears throat> there's, you know, you can be sure if you talk to somebody, if you're out evangelizing with them, and they basically just say, Oh, this, I'm glad you're doing this. I go to church, but you know what? I think I'm good. I don't really want to talk to you. You know, there's something wrong. Mm with their their conscience is bugging out yeah you know and um they just they if they want to flee it's right you know there's there's a problem right and and and, you know sometimes that's the holy spirit convicting them of their sin and they want to fly away from it Um, other times it's just you know they're being repelled by you because you're trying to show them the true light but be sure of this is that if someone really is a believer 
and born again, they will take interest and they will, they may not, you know, you're probably not going to be on the exact same page, but there is, there is a a friendship. There's a bond that is just immediate. There's a believer and, and you're you're brothers right right. away. You know, your brothers or your sisters and, um, there is a love there. That is a primary evidence that you are actually saved or that someone is actually saved is their love of the brethren. Yeah, First John, yeah. That's you know, so um, be sure if they want to fly away from you and, you know, they don't really care what you have to say, it's a pretty good indication that they're still lost. Yeah. But they don't necessarily know it. Right. You know. And they think that they're good because, well, at least they're more religious than the next guy so they think well if anyone has a chance of getting into heaven it must be me because look mm. what i've done I, you know i've gone to mass or i, I was baptized or you know whatever it might yep. be i give to the poor I, I give out food at the food bank whatever it, it might be now some of those things are good but if that's what you're con- looking to for salvation then it, it, it it's not uh, sufficient it's just legalistic dead works absolutely cannot... absolutely and that's the problem a huge problem in um, evangelicalism right now is people are comparing their behavior to those who they go to church with or those mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you know claim to be christians and unfortunately their lifestyle denotes a different story and and people will often fall away because they see the hypocrisy yeah. in in those who are professing believers, yet, I mean, there's evidence. If you really are a believer, then there's evidence. Yeah. Now, and it's not just I prayed a prayer one time. That's not the evidence. Yeah. The evidence is oh, I came forward at the conference. I signed a card. You know, uh, <laughs> I I, 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 my I invited <laughs> Jesus into my heart. Right. You know, therefore well, I'm saved. It's like, why would Jesus want to go into that filthy, wretched thing? <laughs> You know, unless it was first swept and cleaned by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's you thought I was going to step in it there, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jesus lives in our heart, the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, But it's not merely just a means of inviting him in. You know, that's not the, the evidence that may be part of the initial outward expressions of the spirits working but the biblical evidence like you said of a christian is you know read the book of first john um, because john said i write these things so that you may know that you are saved that you may know that you have the son and eternal life so yeah love for one another um, love of god uh, are you of the light those are biblical tests and and it flows out of a heart of love and devotion to God, not simply a, an attempt to be religious or, you know, just because you go to church doesn't, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you've yeah. actually been born of the Spirit. And, and the other thing I was going to say about uh, the whole, you know, I invited Jesus into my heart. I don't want to pick on you if that is part of your conversion. But really, the, the truth is the opposite is, you know, usually Jesus has to break down the door yeah. of your heart to get in. Really, um, it's not really so much like Jesus is gently knocking on the door of your heart and wants to come into your heart. I mean, really, our hearts need to be rescued. Our souls need to be rescued, 
you know, and, you know, Jesus is on a rescue mission to save lost sinners. Yeah. You know, it's... We don't even have any capacity of faith to even repent apart from the Spirit's work. And, Absolutely. And so, I mean, my testimony was I, I, I was at, I don't know, I think I was four or five. Uh, it was a revival service and there was a speaker. I, I actually vaguely remember it. It's kind of there. And, you know, I'm sure that I was led through a prayer of some kind. And, and I think the Lord in those in those moments as a young boy, I, I was saved. But it wasn't because I prayed a prayer or, you know, it was the Lord who saved me. And despite a prayer prayed, you know, and, and so he is the Savior. He is the one who does the work. And um, Well, there's evidence of that. That's right. So then that's the test. Yeah, because I remember I struggled later in life with assurance and of course, I was at a youth retreat and, and their response was, oh, you need to pray this prayer again. And then that was supposed to give me assurance. And I remember talking to my dad on the way home and and uh, he was helpful. He's like, well, no, I mean, the this, this Spirit's work in your life is evident. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit are evident. They're, they're growing. And so that can be assurance that he's at work in you, not simply some ritual thing that i did you know so yeah something uh, you pointed out there too it's you know they said well maybe you need to say this prayer again yeah <laughs> well you know jesus like that's is an almighty savior when he saves somebody he doesn't fail yeah. he saves to the utmost he's a, a almighty god he's our almighty savior yeah. you know all right so i mean if you're new to christianity maybe you stumble upon this podcast and you know you have questions you can get in touch with us at uh, canadianstreetlight.ca but before we before we uh before we depart here if you're new to Jesus if you're new to Christianity not a believe, a professing believer mm-hmm. there's certain things that you need to know and take very very seriously uh if you could take an honest assessment of your spiritual life and ask yourself the question do you know Jesus and does he know you Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? If you haven't done that, well, the scripture says that it is appointed unto all men to die and then the judgment. So if you can think of yourself standing before God on judgment day, knowing that you've sinned against him, that you've rebelled, even once, even sinning once in your entire life is enough to condemn a soul to hell forever because God is just and he is holy And he cannot allow anything unholy in his presence. So God, in his love and mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, here to earth to live a perfect life that we could not live Mm -hmm. and to die a horrible death that we deserve. Uh, He bore our sin Mm -hmm. upon the cross. He He took the full wrath of God upon himself in our place because he loves us and he wants us to be with him. And yeah, and I think that, you know, as much as we would love to say to become a Christian, do step one, two, three, uh, it's really to read the Gospels, read the Word of God. Examine the scriptures and call out to him. Pray to God to give you understanding. Pray to God to open your eyes because nothing we can tell you to do 
can make that happen. It's not a formula. It's a work of God's spirit. And so as you are reading the scriptures, reading the account of Christ, the claims of Christ, and uh, seeking the Lord, God said, if you seek me, you will find me. So seek him. And, and that's really, uh, we're, we're pointers. You know, we can't pronounce somebody saved. We just try to point the way to salvation. And, and so you must seek the Lord. You must take that uh, counsel, that pointing, and, and, and go after the Lord and, and be in his word. And he will bring about the change. He will bring about the new birth in his sovereign time. And that's the beauty of his work in salvation. So... We pray that encourages you. We pray that you continue to listen. Obviously, we've just scratched the surface on some of these issues, and there's so much more that could be said. And and so we pray the Lord bless you and give us all more understanding uh, of the glory of what Christ did. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or perhaps a podcast suggestion or topic, visit us online at canadianstreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria.